Hey listeners, just wanted to acknowledge that something's up with my audio in this episode. You can hear what I'm saying, it just kind of sounds like I'm on the telephone. Alaric's crystal clear. Should be a good show anyway, we didn't want to trash the whole thing. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Odds and Evenings, a podcast about mathematics, puzzles, numbers and games. My name is Alex, and with me is my other co-host... Hello, I'm Alaric. Hello, you are Alaric. Um, drag me out of, uh, well, not to really talk about what time of day it is, but it's very early. Okay. Or rather, you've dragged me out of bed for this uh, in, in the evening, because this is often evening, so we're recording in the evening, and I definitely slept until 7pm. Alex um, is incorrect. It is not early. It's almost 10 o'clock in the morning. In the evening, because it's odds and evenings. Yes, okay, sorry, on brand. Uh, uh, well, look, I'm drinking, so it might as well be the evening. Really? What are you drinking? Yeah, breakfast, breakfast Budweiser. <laughs> right. I mean, then. evening evening Budweiser, because it's odds and evenings. <laughs> okay, I'm not drinking. Well, I feel I felt like with the subject of our second uh, topic that we'll be doing today, it, it may be necessary, so... Right, okay. I'll brace myself. Would you would you prefer to do some mathematics rather than irreverent back and forth? Sure, let's do it. Let's go straight okay. in. Okay, well, so cool. Yeah, but just for a change, you go first this time. <laughs> You're making that like a thing of every show now. Uh, I'm not, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Digit Mastermind. Now, this is Mastermind, um, the game... It's not the mastermind where people are sitting in the big black chair. Like, right. is it the BBC? I don't know. There's a quiz show in the B- in England which is called Mastermind, which people will confuse this with. There is also a game called Mastermind. It's a kind of board game thing. And usually you have four pegs. There might be different numbers. There might be different colours. There are different versions of it. Um, but one person sets them, and they have choice on each, what each of the pegs is going to be. Yeah. And the other person has to try guessing what those pegs are so they'll try a pattern and they'll be given uh, pointers to how close they are to it yeah it's something like there's an indicator that shows if they're correct and there's an indicator that shows if they're like one off in some direction yes yeah so it's like have you got the right colors or numbers and are they in the right positions we're going to do a slightly different version of that it's a slightly more mathematical one uh with digits so i'm going to think of a number and we'll do it say four digit Okay. And I'll write it down. So, I can't cheat. So, bloop, 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 bloop. You know, I can't see what you've written down, so there's no way that that's a good verification of you cheating anyway, but fine. Yes, <laughs> right. go ahead. Um, and you're going to guess four-digit numbers, and you're trying to do it in as few guesses as possible, and I will tell you the sum of the absolute difference between each of the digits of your number and my number. For example... If my number was 1111 and you guessed 1234, then your first digit is 0 away, your next digit is 1 away, the next one's 2 away, and the last one is 3 away. The oh, it's absolute. It's absolute. It's absolute. Okay, cool. So you can't just say 0 because I'm like 2 off yep. for each of them, but in, if it didn't cancel, okay, fine. Yep. That's slightly better. Right. Do you want to have a go at this and then we'll talk about potential strategies? Yes. Right. I've got a four digit number. Give me some guesses. Zero, 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 zero. Okay, the total is 19. Five, 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 four? 14. Oh, wow. Seven, five, five, four. 
So you only change one digit there, that time. Twelve. Nine five five two. Sixteen. Do you want to talk me through some of the strategies you're thinking about at the moment? Yeah. Okay. So I started off by going zero 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 zero. So I so I knew the sum of all the digits in your answer. I think that's a very sensible thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just sort of did something vaguely in the middle. Yeah. And then then I did something vaguely in the middle as a bit of a sort of a seat, uh, a midway seat. Yeah. Um, a bit like when you're doing like a binary search or something. Keep like yeah. splitting the region into two, which I think was also a mistake. So that was mistake number one. Uh, mistake number two was to change one of the digits by two, but not change another one by two, um, or not change them. So it says so, so the whole thing sum to nineteen. I knew the whole thing sum to nineteen, and then I was making guesses where it didn't sum to nineteen. Well, that's kind of fine. You were changing one of the digits. You went down from fourteen to twelve when you changed that digit. You changed yes, it by two, I... and it went down two, so you got two yes. closer. And actually, I think I got the correct digit there. Um, How do you know? Because when I changed the other one away from it, I, so I, then I changed that one by two and another one by two, and yep. then, and then the answer changed by four. Yes, so. so you went two in the wrong direction with both. So yes, you did get the correct digit on that yeah. one. That's wrong. But I, hey, but I wasn't to know that until I'd done that. Yep. So then on the next guess, I'll go back. And then I'll probably do 7557 at that point. Yep. So, uh, you're, you're doing some very sensible things. Um, yeah. I, I'll tell you where I got this from. I was reading uh, the Mathematical Gazette. I was reading an issue from 2002. In the last episode, we were talking about the Mathematical Gazette, and I kind of got inspired, and I've been reading some of them. There's been some yeah, interesting we're slowly articles. becoming the Mathematical Gazette podcast. Well, I, I think it's discontinued. It's, it's very old. But okay. 2002, from uh, volume 86, number 507. So there's wow. a lot of back issue to do. Um mm-hmm. But it's just a whole collection of uh, interesting articles, and one of them was talking about different strategies that you could do in this game, and they were talking about giving it to students and seeing what um, strategies people came up with. Ah. And there seem to be two main strategies, both of which you can refine as you go along. You kind of did a bit of both. So um, one of them is you find out the total, like the sum of all the digits, by guessing zero, 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 zero. Yeah. And then, so you have some sub-list there of, uh, now you know you're somewhere in that list, and then you slowly try numbers with that total. Yeah, it sounds agonising. It's something more elegant. So, I mean, even with that, there are different ways you can do it. So, one way is you find the t- some of the digits and you just go through linearly, which is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, to refine it a bit, what you could do is, once you know you're in that sub-list, you could uh, almost do a binary search on it. You can keep like guessing the one halfway through the range, and like splitting it into smaller and smaller subpots. Yeah, this was kind of like my mistake was to go five 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 four. That made things confusing. I should have just made stayed at the zeros and just done one at a time. Yes. Well, this yeah. is the other strategy. Um, instead of dealing with like the smaller and smaller sublists, you just go one digit at a time. You w- figure out what's in the first place, then you figure out what's in the second place, and so on. Mm. There are different ways of doing that some of which are more elegant than others. So again, starting with 0000 zero, 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 zero is a good way to go. Um, oh, then you go 1111, and then you try and find... Oh no, that's going to be a bit silly. Yeah, because you could have ones going up and ones going down if uh, one of the digits was already 0. Think about this. If you went 0000, zero, zero, zero at the start, and then you went 9000, zero, 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 so 9000, how could you work out the first digit? I think you can narrow it down to 2. 
Can you get it in one? You can. So there will be some difference between the two answers. Yep. And let's say let, let's say the first digit was seven. Okay. And and you told me nineteen. Yep. Then the next one. Then 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 it would change from nineteen. Then it would change from contributing a difference of seven to contributing a difference of two. True. Which means it would go down. Oh, there we go. Down and up. There we go. So it goes down by five. Yep. And so down by five means seven. Yes. And so the way it's going to work is: imagine you've got the, uh, the sum of all the digits, all four digits, and then you do this uh, nine thousand thing. Well, that's a bit like you've got um, nine minus whatever's in the thousands place, plus the other three digits. Yeah. So if you did uh, the first thing, take away the second thing, so the two numbers I gave you, then all of the other digits just cancel out; they're irrelevant, and you end up with a. Uh, two lots of the thousands place minus nine is the, the first number I give you minus the second number I give you rearranging that a bit kind of algebraically you get that the thousands place is the first number I give you minus the second number I give you plus nine all divided by two okay we're just, we're just rearranging it as an algebraic equation yeah 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 that's better yeah um, so I, I mean that's deterministic it's a bit weird to look at and it, mm. it requires a bit of just number crunching but yeah it's unique. Hmm. And so extending that, how did you do the rest? Do you have to do them one at a time? Or is there a way to do them all at the same time? Uh, doing them all at the same time is as efficient as you can get this. Um, so, but, is, but is it possible? No. No. Okay. Um, it, it requires more guesses. And that, that's the first method. That's the... You get the sum of the whole digit, the whole number, and then mm-hmm. you work with smaller and smaller sublists. Is there not some really elegant way to go where you go all zeros, then all nines, and then... Okay, I guess what, I guess that's what you mean by smaller and smaller sublists. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you're going through this, if you guess zero, 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 then you guess 9,000, then you guess 900, then you guess 90, each of which gives you the first... Oh, uh, a digit. So first digit, second digit, third digit. Yeah, yeah. The last one is uh, already determined, because you know what the sum is. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can extend this with an n digit number. You can do it in n guesses. One guess is the first zeros, and then one guess each for every digit other than the last one. Mm-hmm. And then the last guess. So n plus two guesses. No, so it's, it's n guesses in total. One for the initial zeros, and then n minus one of them for the n minus one digits. And then the last guess. So n plus one guesses. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So, like. N guesses are the ones which are determining it, by which you know it after that. And yeah, right. N plus one and is the final guess. Yeah. My and sorry, the N plus two was because they thought you needed to do the final digit, but you don't because at that point you know the sum, so you can just in your head you can take away your current answers from yeah from from the final one and then test solve as well. Yeah. Without even having to probe it, you can solve it. Isn't that good? And this is maximal. Like you, you can't do any better than that. Yes, it's very disappointing that there's a maximal answer to this. What? Because, but it's disappointing for me because I thought this was a fan- fantastic white space to apply like a machine learning algorithm. Ah, uh, I see. Um, like, because this is a search problem. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, hey now, tell you what is probably really good at doing this. Um, quantum computing. So quantum computing has some sort of algorithm which searches in less than n time, right? It can search a list, 
for something that it already knows in a lower order, which is to say a lower... Um, we, we haven't talked through big, big O notation. Do, do we want to just briefly touch on that? Go for it. Big O notation, uh, which I believe is also called computational complexity, but I haven't done computer science, so uh, I might be wrong on that, is a way of describing how the amount of time a computational problem takes to solve scales with the number of uh, important elements in that problem. So, for example, let's say that you are uh, sorting a list um, of numbers into order, lowest to highest. That'll have some kind of order, like, yep. I don't know, order n squared or something like that. If you have a list of 100 items, it might take 100 seconds. But if you have a list of 1,000 items, it might take 10,000 seconds. Yep. Because that's 10 times more. So, what quantum computing can do is it can take a lot of these fundamental things and it can do it in, uh, in a lower order. So, I've, I've got it up. Um, so, the sure. quantum algorithm here is called Grover's algorithm. Oh, that's Grover's. I thought that was Shaw's. Okay, Grover's. Shaw's yeah, is yeah. the one where you're factorizing integers. Yeah. Um, it's the other famous quantum algorithm. Um, so Grover's, so to search a list of n things would normally take n queries because you're looking mm-hmm. at every item. Yeah. Um, Grover's algorithm solves it in order root n time, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> frankly uh, mind bending. Yeah, yeah. And did you ever take any quantum algorithm stuff at uni? Uh, no, but I, I in later life I bought a quantum computing textbook that's currently sitting on my shelf that I haven't fully read. Okay. I did some quantum computing um, during my third year and I got to the point where it's like I'd zoomed in too much. I was doing all the maths with um, Schrodinger's equation. I was essentially solving differential equations. Yeah. And there was mention of qubits and things, but I was too zoomed in. All of these algorithms kind of flew over my head. You were just solving a particular class of problems. Yeah. And the context didn't really matter. You were just doing the maths. Yes. And that's the sort of learning which quickly goes as soon as you're not doing it. When you don't have a deep understanding, there's no memory there. The things that I remember the most are, let's say, I, I, the, oh, the one exam I ever did best in was uh, my... Um, so at, in, in Oxford, you had to do these like little exams at the start of every term on, on what you did last term. See, and when we do this podcast, I get quite nostalgic for university. And it's things like that which remind me, oh yeah, I'm an adult. I don't have to do exams anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so at the start of each term, what were they called? Uh, collections. Collections. So you have to do collections. And, uh, which I always forgot about. I and mean, then they always snuck up on me and I did terribly. But the one that I did very well was thermodynamics. And um, there was this one particular class of problem where you would, uh, you'd have, like, a day-night cycle on the outside of, like, a bunker and the, uh, which would be sort of like a wave of like getting hot and getting colder in some kind of sine wave. Yep. And it would, you would talk about what the temperature in the bunker would be. And so what that ends up being is it ends up being a, a slightly diminished, oh, sorry, it's not a day-night cycle, it's seasons. So it gets hotter in, in the summer on average and then cold in the winter. And so what that ends up being is it ends up talking about, okay, so then how much does, does the temperature in the bunker fluctuate? And it turns out like, a much smaller amount than it does on the outside. Yeah, it's kind of damped. Oh, and there's a lag. It's kind of damped. It. But not only, yeah, not only is it damped, but there's a time lag. Um, so it 
actually, depending on or the you know the, the composition of the dirt above the bunker and and how much dirt there is, it actually ends up like warming up maybe two or three months later. So I I taught differential equations to my further mathematicians this year, and one yeah. of the systems we deal with. So we start off with some simple harmonic motion. Say you're holding a spring and it's got a mass at the bottom of it, and it's bouncing yeah. up and down. And yeah. then say you start oscillating your hand up and down as well. Yeah. That is sending kind of the information that it's moving down through the spring but you're not quite doing it at the same time as the spring and so there's a lag there as well it's, yes. it's the same thing and with motion rather than... there's a very good video online of somebody dropping a spring yeah uh, um, yeah with the top uh where the bottom is almost stationary as the um yes it pings up to the top so the the information, the physical this is, and this probably doesn't show up in a in a more abstract mathematical differential equation, at least at least of, of the of the simplest type. But the information of the tension takes a long time. Well, it travels down the spring at the speed of sound, but because it's a spring, it has to go round and round and round and round and round. So it's actually you know every one like spring width yep. goes down takes a takes a full uh, you know pi times the. Uh, Pi times the diameter of the spring to go around, so it ends up being quite a large ratio. Um, and so, yeah, the bottom will stay stationary because it's still feeling an upwards tension because the the, the electrons um, or, or, or the atoms kind of close to the bottom of the spring haven't relaxed yet because yeah. they don't know they don't know to relax yet. Um, so they they're still feeling like they're held up, and the um, and, and and the whole thing comes down. You can also model it completely differently because obviously that feels like it's like disobeying gravity it's not um the way you yep. model it is uh is because it's where the center of gravity is falling because the spring is collapsing yeah it's just that the bottom doesn't have to move in order for that um center of mass to to fall so yeah it, it initially it looks alien and weird and like oh that shouldn't be true this is fake this is photoshopped but actually there's there's two ways you can model it out um either, either on the molecular level or at the uh, system level, and, and they both make sense. Yep. How do we get on to that? <laughs> uh, you suggested the quantum computers would be good for doing the digit mastermind. I think they would. I think, you know, if, if there wasn't some brilliant solution, <laughs> um, yeah. then then they would probably find some way that was sort of weird and alien to us, so, and it would just, like, guess about three numbers, and then suddenly it has it. Yeah, each one cutting down the subset of what's happened before. Maximally. Yeah, yeah. it'll probably it'll probably carve through the the sublist problem. So the reason that's not going to work is the sublist problem as you add more digits goes up by about an order of magnitude every time. Right. Whereas um, our digit by digit thing we prove was linear. If we've learned anything from DeepMind is that machine learning things can carve up orders of magnitude like butter. Um, it doesn't really work the same way as say deep blue it's it's relatively relevant so I, I i don't know i would just love to see someone have a crack at it and obviously with i'm not relying on our listeners to be machine learning experts or whatever but i just think it's a yeah it's a nice and it's a nice problem set and i do wonder hmm. whether whether it could at least have a good crack at it or at the very least just of its own accord work out the uh the the maximal solution that you're talking about yeah well it would be yeah. interesting like from the guesses that you gave Slightly random ones, so zero zero zero, then what was it? Five 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 four and so on. Five five four, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if you were given that information, like just the four numbers that you guessed, how many numbers fit those criteria. 
Right. Because I imagine it's fairly small. It's just information that is very hard to to know what to do with. You'd have to physically work out the list of each number which satisfied each of them, of which there are loads. Yes. Yeah. It's a state space thing again. It's like you can draw the whole thing yeah. out. It's a 10,000 node state space. Which numbers are in every one of these lists? Very good. And something that we... Oh, now I know the answer, though. Uh, shouldn't tell me. We could play that on a regular basis until I work out the answer. <laughs> So this actually arose naturally in the course of my daily life. And someone mentioned mathematicians and I was like, oh yeah, that totally is interesting. I was at the pub with some colleagues and there were about, I don't know, five or six of us. And we all decided to, I, I, I want to say we all decided to cheers. Do you know what I mean by that? When you when you sort of clink glasses together. I don't know what the word is for that. Um, yep. Have a, have a toast, I guess. Yes. But there were no words spoken. It was just cheers. And then, you know. The clinking of glasses. Uh, which is like, uh, it's like my favourite thing in the world, I think. <laughs> it's just, I, well, I just it's really just like nice it. It's a confirmation with drink around. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's a confirmation of uh, having friends, or, or at the very least, you know, people around you, um, who, are, who are united in the shared vision of something with which they can celebrate. It's fairly international as well, isn't it? Yeah. There's, there's something really, really good about it. But we were standing in a circle. Um, and someone mentioned uh, we were having real trouble everybody was having real trouble cheersing everybody else because there were about six or seven of us and then someone mentioned well of course the mathematicians would know what is the most efficient way we can do this oh so cheers is an, a one on one activity so let us define the clinking of glasses to be a one on one activity let us define it on a 2D plane such you can't go above and below people this sounds uh, oh okay are we leading to the handshake problem here? Uh, I imagine it's probably pretty similar to the handshake problem, but it's one where you can't you can't cross over each other. You you can't go. Hmm. I see what you mean. So you can't have. Um, imagine four people in a square. The people yeah. in the opposite diagonals shake hands, or, or clink glasses. That means the other two people couldn't. Yes. Or are they allowed to go around the side? No, they can't go around. You're in, you're you're stood in a fixed spot, and if someone is blocking you off then you can't clink with anybody opposite you. I see what you mean. So are they... Is that the same as the handshake problem? Uh, the handshake problem is just how, how many um, handshakes do you need? It's just triangle. Oh, numbers. that's... Yeah, actually, you know what? Someone immediately suggested that. Someone said, oh, you know, it's just half an N plus one. And I said, well, that's not what we're looking for. Yep. Not the number of clinks. It is the uh, it is the number of, like, clock ticks of clinking. So a bunch of people can clink at the same time. And then another bunch of people clink at the same time. And how many bunches do you need until everybody has clinked with everybody else? Hmm. Okay, I see what you mean. So it's discrete time. Yes. Here's a timestamp. Discrete time. Yeah. Here are all the lines between people um, who are currently clinking. Yeah. Does that make sense as a problem? Yes, it does. Uh, I'm, okay. Good. I'm trying to think of some systematic way that we can break it down, where it's like you just do the same operation so many times. Hmm. Um. It's because going it across it's hard right can we I've do been thinking it about this all week <laughs> so imagine they're all um, arranged as points which run a regular polygon yes that's how, that's actually how I want to set the problem up yeah they have to be regu- regularly polygonal I'm kind of imagining that uh, I'm drawing lines between points yes I'm imagining all the lines in one instant being parallel to each other same 
So imagine, um, say we've got eight people. I'm imagining it as an octagon with flat sides on the top and the sides on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. If we started off by drawing lines which went horizontally... Hmm, hang on. I'm going to draw out an octagon. I think this works, by the way. I, I'm just, I'm running that through in my head. I, I think I think that works, but of course we have another problem to solve after that. So. <laughs> Do it with six if you're drawing it out on paper. Okay. So I'm doing hexagon. I've got all the lines going horizontally. I'm going to have the person kind of on the top row in the left as person number one. Okay. Then going clockwise around, we've got person two, three, four, five, and six. Sure. So when we uh, drew the initial clinking, they're going horizontally. So one goes with two. Yeah. Six goes with three. Yeah. And five goes with four. Sure. Okay. Now when one per- number one goes to number three. So this is the person on the top row on the left going with the person who's on the extreme right. They've cordoned off number two. Yeah. But so do they need to do they need to after that cross clink? Or are they ever gonna to get to each other? Well, that one to three has to happen at some point. Because they have to clink yeah. at some point. So yeah. two is always gonna have at least one where they're not clinking. Mm. That's true for everyone. Yes. Because it's all rotationally symmetric. So you yeah. definitely can't do it in N minus one things. Yeah. Because you always have one which is where they're having to sit out. Right. The question is, is it at most one if we carried on doing this rotational thing? So could you do the the sideways and then that kind of diagonal and then just ro- it just rotate the whole hexagon? Yeah. Do that again and then rotate, do that again, and then you probably don't need to do it fourth time. Yeah, I, I've then, just worked it through, and yeah, that's that's right. And then you do the stragglers. You do one, two, three on the stragglers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then, let's think about the octagon. So, you need to sorry, do how many one, clinks two... was that for the hexagon? Uh, that was nine. Nine, nine different instances. Nine different clock ticks of clinking. Yeah. That that seems too many. Hang on. I'm kind of getting six. Well, you haven't picked up your stragglers, and you need to do them one at a time. There are three pairs of people opposite each other who won't have clinked. Oh, wait. No, or they will have. Yeah. Oh, they will have clinked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in, in the first instance of, of, of the next one round. Yeah. So you've got person number one going with number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. So that's five. Plus one where you're doing the ones which were missed out. Yeah, the, uh, the the stragglers get picked up in the like the next round. Yeah, and then that kind of loops all the way around. So actually, you you've kind of picked up a quote straggler uh, in the first instance of clinking. Um, yeah, it kind of gets tucked in. So okay. I th- I think it's n for n points. Well, it's it's well I, ooh, yeah postulate yeah I'm proved it. So um, that works for even numbered ooh. and. And it works for hexagon only at this point. And so, what do you want to do? You want to do a square, or do you want to do an octagon next? I want to do a pentagon time? to try and get some. Alt. What? But can, can we can we finish off the even number? Because you've got a. Okay, let's do square then. Let's do a square. So conjecture four. That one's kind of trivially four in my head because you just do the the caps, the sides, and then one cross each. Yep. And then when if you do, if you have an if you have an octagon. So you've got person number one going with. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, plus one extra. Oh, that's how you're doing it. 
It's like I'm drawing on all of the different diagonals, which, like all the different gradients that could happen, and there's only eight different gradients. You're not worried that on like maybe three or four you've got extra stragglers that are... I think they're all picked up. It's all rotationally symmetric. I may be wrong here. Okay, well let's leave that aside for a sec. And let's just assume that, that that's right, and then we'll let someone tell us if we're wrong. Yep. Um, <laughs> Should we uh, look at the odds? Let's look at, yeah, odd number. Pentagon? Yeah, because triangle's too trivial. Yep. I'm having a pentagon with um, a point at the top of it, and I'm going to call that number but one. Incidentally, a triangle does take three, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if all of the problems today are just linear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this just the digit mastermind in disguise somehow? Are they the Maybe. same game that we're playing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? So, uh, what's that thing about like all NP? Is it NP complete problems are actually all the same problem, and you can you can you can transform all NP complete problems into all other NP complete problems? Ah, oh, that's neat. Um, is that true? Uh, yeah, apparently, uh, it might not be NP complete. It might be a different category of NP. But there is a one category of NP something problems are actually all the same problem. <laughs> um, so you start. So you got the point at the top. Yep. And then you're going to its next one round clockwise. Yep. So you've got the one where you've got all the lines which go from like one to two, and all the ones yep. parallel to it. Although that's not. Hmm. There's no parallel. There's no such thing as parallel. Is the line between? So you've got one at the top, and then going yep. round clockwise. The line from one to two, is that parallel to the line from five to three? Mm, oh, five to three. No, that wouldn't be. You sure? Mm, hold on. Let me let me Google a picture of a, of a <laughs> pentagon. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, uh, like the yeah. internal angles of the pentagon are the same. Yeah. Yeah, and you got a line of symmetry. Cool. Mm. I think it's going to be the same thing. With this one, it's even easier to see actually. When you draw those lines on, you draw the line from one to two. You draw the line from five to three. Four is excluded. Then you do that same thing each time. One point is being excluded. Yes, each time one point is being excluded. And it's only, it's not like it's two are being excluded and they and they need to clink. It's like, that's the situation in which it would be clinking with itself. Yeah. Because if you draw the parallel lines, the parallel line just touches that. Yeah. That point. So, so that's N as well. Yeah. So in, okay, this is good. So, all right, <laughs> we solved something. Um, when you have N people, you know, is standing in a circle with pints, and they need to clink their glasses, you can do it in N place. Oh, hello. Two people. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just one, isn't it? <laughs> and then one is, like, zero. Uh, or N-A. Not a number. Yeah. Okay, so apart from two people... <laughs> yeah. It's For N. a number of individuals greater than two... It's kind of annoying with those trivial cases that they don't fit the pattern. Um, yeah. Oh well. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Maybe they'd fit a pattern if it wasn't mutual. You know? Yeah. If it's like, I have clinked you, but then you need to clink me. Maybe they fit then. Not that's something I want to try, but... Hmm. Yeah. Well, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at my grandparents uh, about a week ago for a meal and they listen to a lot of radio and the Today programme has a puzzle of the day. My students often bring them in as well. I don't listen to it myself, but I'm, I'm kind of 
I hear it through books. Yeah. yeah. Some of them are famous mathematical things, and sometimes it's a bit more off- offbeat. But a-, a lot of the people listening to it are not mathematicians, and it's kind of their exposure to it. So it's, it's doing a lot of good for the world. Mm. And on it, they had a problem, which I- I'd heard before, but I hadn't thought about in ages, which was, if you've got a prime number greater than three, yeah. if you square it and take away one, is it always a multiple of 24? Okay, so the next one actually just is 24. Yes, so 5 squared, 25, take away 1 is 24. Um, um, my grandfather asked me, like, is it true? And it is. And I, what? Yeah, I know. Well, uh, I, I'll set you the proof in a minute. But what I was hoping for, I, I proved it in a kind of brute forcey way. What I wanted to think about was, what's the geometric significance of this? Um... Shall we think about the proof of it first? Yeah, I'm imagining that you can define any prime number to be 3 plus a certain amount, and then when you square that, you get... Am I on the right lines? Three yeah. Squared plus, 3 squared plus 6 times the difference, plus the difference squared, and then you take away 1 So what? the difference squared. Your prime number, you're putting in the form like 3n plus 1, or 3n plus 2? Because it can't be of the form 3n, because you know it hasn't got a multiple of 3. It's prime. So no, sorry, I'm saying so so there's there's so your prime number is three plus Oh some I see what you between mean between three and eight. Yeah. I think that's gonna get messy because the differences okay. are gonna have all sorts of different factors in them. Right. Okay. So alright, so you're your three n plus one or three n minus one, or your three n plus one and three n plus two. Yep. Um in in generalized form. And then so three n plus one squared is nine n squared plus six n plus one. And then you take away 1, so you get 9n squared plus 6n. Um, Which is definitely a multiple of 3. It's definitely a multiple of 3, is it a multiple of 24? You're not going to get the evens from that, but you've got the factor of 3. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. Mm. so if it's 1 more than a multiple of 3, your prime number, then you know that p squared minus 1 is itself a multiple of 3. There's another possibility there, which is if it was 2 more than a multiple of 3. Yeah. If you do the whole squaring it out and then take away one thing again, you also get that it's multiple of three. Yeah, because you just have you have an extra plus three on the end. Yep. Yeah. So you need something to prove that you've got um, three factors of two in there as well. Okay. So you just do the two n plus whatever. Yep. So because you know it's a prime number um, greater than three, you know it's not even. So you can write it in the form two n plus one. Ah, uh, okay. Definitely odd. So yeah. Squaring that out and taking away 1, you're going to get 4n squared plus 4n. Now that yeah. straight away gives you two factors of 2. Yeah. Because you've definitely got so we're missing, of two. We're missing a factor of 2. If you factorise that, you've got 4n, open brackets, n plus 1, close brackets. Ah, uh, and you know that n is... Uh, I don't know. What you've got there is n times n plus 1. You've got two consecutive numbers times together. One of them must be even. Ah, uh, so that's where your extra factor of 2 comes in. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, it's definitely a multiple of 24. Sure. Um, now, doing it that way, it feels like we just brute forced. We wanted certain factors, and so we wanted a factor of 3, we're going with a whole lot of free stuff. We want factors of 2, we're going with a whole lot of odd and even stuff. It's not illustrative. And what I want here is some sort of geometrical thing that we could do. Why is it that if you had p squared, so what we're talking about here is like a physical square, 
yeah. all sides P by P. You take out one of the little points in it, so now it's a square with a point missing. You can always rearrange that into a rectangle, which is 24 times something. And that's weird. Mm. Why is that true? Well, what can I physically do if I uh, cut it up into smaller bits and rearrange them to show that it's always a multiple of 24? Well, don't think of it as 24, but think of it maybe as 6 times 4. Okay. So if you do the example for a 5 by 5, yep. you take the corner off, the top right corner off it, and then you take that row of 4, you turn it on its side, and you jam it on the end, and you've got a 6 by 4. Okay. Now, what that means for 7, that's, that's where I get lost. <laughs> so I can, I can do the trivial case, but I can't do something more complicated. And yeah, and why does it... It has to use the fact that these things are prime. Because it's not true in general. So if you start it off with um, 6 as your prime number, scaring it and taking away 1, you get a 35, which isn't a multiple of 24. Is it true for all odd numbers? Um, Shall we try no. with 9? It's not true for 9, yeah. Yeah, 18. is not a multiple of 24. Yep. Weird. I know. Because primes aren't appropriately distributed. So, wait, what is it about your solution, your first solution, that takes into account that they're prime? It wasn't a multiple of three, and it wasn't a multiple of two. Two. So, what's an odd number that's not a multiple of three or a multiple of two that isn't prime? So, seven times thirteen, probably the next one. Or Ninety-one. No, five times seven, thirty-five. Okay, so thirty-five square. Uh, I don't know what it is. Do you have a calculator? One two two. One thousand. One two two five. Yeah. Taking away one, we get one two two four. Yeah. Is that multiple of twenty-four? I don't know. Kind of looks like it. Maybe. Divide. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like it is a multiple of 24. Yes, 51 times 24. Okay, so actually, in the general case, it's not it's just true of primes. Yeah, it's true of ones which are not multiples of 3 and not multiples of 2. All odd numbers that aren't multiples of 3 or multiples of 2. Take that, the Today Show. All odd numbers are definitely not a multiple of 2. This is correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all, all odd numbers that are not multiples of two. It's exclude those. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So what is it about the fact that when they're not multiples of two or three, which lets us do this rearrangement? I'm trying to think. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the fact that all squares are just a bunch of odd numbers added together. Ah, uh, yeah. So you start with one in the top left, and then you wrap the number three around it. Yeah. And then you wrap the number five around it, like kind of L-shaped things going... Yeah. At that point, when you wrap the number 5 around it, that's your first multiple of 3. Then the next one is, what's that? 7, 9, and you've added 11. So by, That's not one either. By taking away the 1, you're imagining taking out that kind of top left one. Like the initial bit. Oh yeah. And yeah, so you've yeah. got a whole lot that, of listed yeah. L's. So you have... Um, yeah, this is, this is the right route to take. Keep following this path. Where are we going? So at that point, you, you will have... It'll be that odd number. Mm-hmm. No, it'll be it'll be half of that odd number rounded up times oh number. No, that's just you bring you back to the beginning. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is the mm. one to the listeners. Yeah. I I mean uh, yeah, it'll take a lot of graphical scoring. I've uh, tried to hunt around on the internet for a geometric argument for this um because there are lots of people which have given it's quite a common question this p squared minus one multiple of 24 thing but they're all number theory-ish answers rather than geometric ones right 
what I want to do is kind of see it, see it physically. I want that moment of, ah, yeah, I see, just from one picture. Mm. I've mentioned it before, but the Art of Mathematics group on Facebook is fantastic for that sort of thing. It has pictures which explain algebraic things, usually with no words around. Yeah, there's a, uh, it's a Twitter account called something like Euler's Notepad or something that just does a bunch of graphical solutions. It's probably just ripping directly from that Facebook, or vice versa. Yeah. Or maybe they're both ripping from the same source. Okay, so thank you for joining us this evening. Now we do the part of the show, which for new listeners is a part that we do where at the end of the show we discuss how satisfied we were with what we got to and what our answers were and so on. So, first thing that we did was... What was it? Uh, it was Digit Mastermind. Digit Mastermind. Where right. you tried some guesses and then we talked about what sort of strategies there were and then we went on a big tangent about quantum computing. About the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm satisfied. Nine. Mm. Um, well, I didn't get the answer, so five. I never told you what the number was, did I? Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, maybe the listeners can work it out. I'm not sure. I'll find it on a piece of paper in your house in like two months' time. Yep. And then we did the the clinking drinking problem. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. I'm turning it. Yeah, that's a straight ten. Yeah. We found out some real stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> Slightly unsatisfying with the one and two case. In that, right. um, they they don't fit the pattern. But I think you're you're talking about if they were like not commutative. If cheers was something that you were presenting to someone else, then that seems more robust. I don't know. It's a bit awkward, but we solved the problem. Yes, we did solve the problem, which is not something that's happened in a little while. But here we are, with a nice solved problem. Mmm. Nice. Okay, and then the last one we did was this uh, prime squared minus one thing. Yeah. So we undermined the problem, which was great. It's not prime squared minus one. It's... Yeah, that was good. Odd number that's not a multiple of three minus one. Yep. I wonder if you can go further. If you also say, oh, it's not a multiple of five, where you, where you can get more factors. Wouldn't that just reduce the amount of things? Oh, I see what you mean. Right, yes, if it's not a multiple of five, then it's, oh, everything's also like a multiple of 48 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think there's, there's stuff to explore with that. Yes, because it works for seven, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for nine, though. But, mm, but nine's a multiple of three. So 11, we get um, 120. Which is not a multiple of 48. No. Wah, wah. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, well, more exploring to be done there. Um, five. We, we didn't do the main geometrical thing, but we got a result, which was new to me. I'm going to give us a seven, because I liked... Because, I mean, basically, I'm more than two married to the, the, the geometric side of things, which I know was what the problem was, but I like that we've... That, that, that we, we've sort of won up to the Today Show showing that their, their, their problem I mean it's just a it's just a boring subset of the true problem <laughs> good well thank you for joining us everybody uh, we hope you've had a sufficiently nice time um, this episode may end up being a little shorter uh, but that's good it just means we've been nice and efficient and we've solved things rather than yammering on for hours about something we can't do so Yep. Yeah. Not much more to say. We'll see you next uh, two weeks' time. And actually in two weeks' time. 
this this time. Actually, gonna be a good time. Bye bye. Goodbye. It's Alex again. Hopefully that wasn't too painful. You may have noticed we totally forgot to do the links. Uh, so here are those. I'm going to do a funny voice. Odds and Evenings is an independent production by Alex Mail and Alaric Stephen. You can find Odds and Evenings online at www.oddsandevenings.com. Odds and Evenings is also available on all good social media channels, on Twitter at at Odds and Evenings and on Facebook. You can find Alex Mail on Twitter at at SpeakMouthWords and you can find Alaric by building a birch carving of your favourite prime number, burning it using paraffin, and screaming at the crescent moon. This has been Alex Mail, signing out. Doop, doop, doop.